0: Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLE News Talk 990, or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues, marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock Richmond Biz Live this is the time, this is the place, you're the person. Welcome to the studios of WLE News Talk 990 in beautiful downtown Richmond. This is Richmond Biz Live, a business information show dedicated to business owners and entrepreneurs looking for the payoff. Um, Richmond, like most communities, have created the needed help for startups and young businesses. However, and I do mean however, our difference is we are here for those existing businesses who have been around a while and are looking for the payoff. We are your only resource, and in fact, certainly your only free resources for existing businesses. If your dream hasn't paid you back for all the investment and sacrifice, you are in the right place. How to get your business back on track today? Well, one is you can call us here at 844-249-5483. That's 844 249 5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. Or you can visit our website at Richmond Live and again, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E.com, where you can watch us. If you want to take a look at us on the webcam, you can listen um, over the Internet, or, of course, if you're listening on broadcast. Now, for all our new visitors, here's our format. This is what we do here uh, for the next 56 minutes. One is... We are much like a TED presentation, what we what we'd like to call a Radio TED. We take 15 minutes on a specific best practice, and we talk about what it is, why it's important to you, what can you gain, and how do you do it. And every one of our presentations is standalone and integrated, standalone in terms of you don't have to listen to any other show to understand this particular topic area. But if you are a consistent listener, whether you're listening to us live or through our podcast you can string it along. So, for example, Andy's in today to talk about operations or what we're calling this season productivity. If you've listened to Andy, every one of these makes sense, and yet today Andy's presentation can stand by itself. Number two is that it's only about recognized thought leaders. The people that are on the show, the people that you listen to, are not only internationally, nationally, or locally recognized. For experts in their field, they are all business owners, which means, affectionately said, we all eat our own dog food. In other words... We don't give advice. We live the advice. And what you're hearing from us is what we're currently doing. And then number three, the origins of the show are based upon five key questions. And what I did is I emulated my Saturdays. Um, For a good many years, every Saturday at 9 o'clock, I would sit down and spend the remainder of the morning working on the business. And what are the five questions that I asked myself? One is, where are we in terms of budget? Are we making money? How much cash on hand do I have this week? What is my cash flow projections? Number two, are we on plan, which has to do with where are we in sales? Are we closing the deals that we're supposed to be closing? Are we doing the conversions that we're supposed to be doing? Number three is are we on schedule, which means all of us make something for somebody, whether it's services or it's products. Uh, How are we doing on what we said we were going to do versus what we're doing? The fourth one was the issue of resolution, and what that meant was, This week, customers have given us feedback. For the ones that have complained, what have we done to solve those problems? And then finally, the metrics. We're looking at people and we're looking at performance. Uh, Today's show, we're going to be talking about the schedule and the metrics. Andy's going to be talking about productivity and I'm going to be talking about performance. But if you want to look at it a certain way, here's how you look at your business. Your financials equal sales plus deliverables plus customers plus employees. And if you can get those four factors worked out, the financial on the other side of the equation ought to take care of itself. So this morning now, in the studio with me is Ryan Portigo. Good morning, Ryan, our studio engineer. Good morning, Bill. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. I rode my uh, bike to the station this morning. Nice, beautiful Saturday morning we got here. Isn't it gorgeous yeah, in Richmond? Very, I mean, I love yeah. global warming. What is it today, 80 yeah, degrees? Right.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, about 80 out there. streets were clear. No one running
0: me over, so... It was great. That, that yeah. is awesome, and it's good seeing you this morning. Thanks yeah, for helping well. out on the show. Absolutely. Um, also, I'd like to do a couple shout-outs. One is to Brian Taylor from the uh, Central Virginia African-American Chamber of Commerce, uh, who is one of the newest partners, Stephanie Phillips uh, at the Greater Richmond Chamber, also one of our partners. Um, I'd like to do shout-out to our, our other thought leaders who are not on today, and that would be Linda Heath at Financial Holographics. Mike Carroll at Focus Business, part of the Sandler organization, and to my partners, uh, one Rich Retster, who runs our Kansas City operation, and the other one to Kevin Granger, who runs our operations in Las Vegas and Calgary, Alberta. And so, today's show, what do we have today? Well, we're going to start off with productivity, and we've got Andy Schulick here from Metamorphosis Management Consulting, and he's going to be talking about the issue of control. Then I'm going to come in, and I'm going to talk some time about the other side of productivity and talk about performance. Uh, And then I'll finish this up with the issue of your role as an executive. Okay, so starting there, Andy, good morning. Good seeing you again. Well,
1: good morning, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, uh, I really appreciate this uh, show being on the radio because you talk about productivity. Uh, Two weeks ago when I presented, I went ahead and uh, left here and turned the radio on the, the truck and listened to the rest of the show going home. So I uh, multitask. Oh, that's uh, how was the show, by the way? Oh, it or was you don't want great. to say. That okay. was great. And so last week I had to do some work in the flower beds. And so I got the portable radio out, stuck it down next to me and multitasked again. Awesome. So awesome, man.
0: That's, that's why radio is superior to TV, because TV yeah. requires yeah. you to pay attention. Radio, you yeah. can listen and work.
1: Yeah, because you're so used to it. it you were brought up that way in the car and everything.
0: So this week, we're going to be talking about the issue of control. And and for most business owners, this is the thing that drives them the most crazy, why they're unwilling a lot of times to make change. So we're going to be talking control from a productivity production standpoint. So, Andy, what's your thoughts? Okay,
1: so today, you know, I I picked up on the information and said, well, let's focus on the job assignment. And, um, you know, all of us have special skills and talents. And for us to be highly productive... Uh, we should really be performing and providing the deliverables uh, that require our special skills and capabilities. Um, For those businesses in the 15% level, uh, this criteria is recognized by the the, uh, management. Thus, employees are appropriately assigned, which is a key factor versus a startup where somebody is just given something to do.
0: And, 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 and Andy is making a point here that I want to reiterate is that when we talked about this last season about getting your processes right, you cannot get somebody's role in the organization right and, and correctly detailed until you have looked at the processes because processes drive the task or assignments that are part of the job. And if I've done that, then what I can do is I can assume as I move the company to the next level from the 80% to the 15 is that I got people in the right assignments and I've defined the job correctly.
1: Right, and it's important to look at not just the production floor, but to look at all levels of the business. That's right. And it changes as the business grows. So in the uh, business there are many deliverables required and that is why the business requires many employees because of the specialization and each of it has these special skills. But what's important is uh with each of these special skills The person provides the diversity of deliverables needed for that business in order for the business to be successful. But it is also important that the business uh, understands that as it grows, the employee's area of responsibility becomes more focused. Right. And therefore, that causes the growth. In need for additional skills and employees
0: because I I didn't talk about it much as owner in the owner as executive uh, area. But here's the point that Andy's making is that in the early stages of growth of the company we're just opportunistic. We just take whatever business we can get because we need the revenue to stay open. At this point, it's called planned opportunism. Is that we have a clear picture and as Mike as Mike Carroll has talked about extensively, we clearly understand the sweet spot. And if this is within the sweet spot then we're going to be opportunistic and aggressive. And if it's outside the sweet spot, then maybe we won't go there, which is a change from the past. Right,
1: right, exactly. So once assigned to a specific job or position, the employee really is expected to focus their time and energy on the deliverables that was outlined to them. Uh, along with this assignment, it is imperative uh, that the assigned employee be given the necessary resources, to produce the deliverables and the authority to control those deliverable actions. Uh, But most importantly, the employee um, has been assigned the responsibility to deliver as specified. Okay, so when we look at that, uh, you know, so in order to provide the deliverables, the employee relies on and uses various types of resources. So the people listening here in your mind, what are some of the resources you have to use to get your job completed successfully? Think about it. Possibly one of those is technology resources. When we look at machinery, information services, which has grown in the last 20 years, possibly using vision systems, robotics, cell, and uh, iPhones. Because especially looking at the iPhones, you know, you got GPS on them, you can track employees, You can find out if they're where they're supposed to be. You can find directions, and it just makes it uh, like Mm walkie-talkies. So it's just such incredible resources. Uh, Training. The employee uh, uh, requests training and receives this from basically today instructors, coaches, webinars. And if you have your system designed properly, you can even do how to do videos on um, your machine right. floor
0: and and i want to stop everybody there for just a second is that uh last season we had uh, Wetron we from uh, firestarter handling the technology piece which is a segment that we're it's kind of now embedded in everything as andy's talking about it but one of the things that he talked about was information accessible on in the system and why an integrated platform was so critical because andy's right we could put the training on the platform and by the way, we're not talking about expensive stuff here. We we'll go back to it as a web-based system where all they got to do is get to the browser. Any training that they need on any particular parts of the business, we could have it there ready for them, and we don't have to use classroom time.
1: Yeah, and you don't need
0: a major production company in no. order to do it. You no, know, you, 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 you need it. a little. You need a little camera or a video capture, yeah. and of course, we can talk about that later. But yeah. you're right. But th- that's really important.
1: Finance is getting all the funds you need for your label parts. Uh, assistance from other functional groups internal to your business. You have to rely on them because it's a give and take. Assistance external to the business where you have vendors, suppliers, but most importantly, management and executive support. Very, right. very important. But, uh, you know, a question, another question, what is the most important resource the owner or business leader has? Obviously, it's the business. There are employees of the business, the production specialists, of the business without them there is no business
0: and as andy has said many times especially last season is that most of the productivity improvements must come from the floor uh... we're talking to small businesses so you don't have an engineering staff but i can tell you right now being in a large corporation with a large engineering staff the engineers don't fix anything the front line fixes it and they use the engineers as consultants to help them come up with a better solution which by the way was andy
1: years ago Yeah, many years ago. So uh, let's now address the control of delivering these actions. And this is, as Bill talked about, the process. Basically, a process is an established path to get from A to Z. It's usually a sequential listing of actions that are needed to go from an input of actions or items or a combination of such to produce a desirable outcome. An example I used in the past: My Peanut Butter and Jelly uh... example on putting it on an english muffin uh... you have the process of applying the ingredients and putting them together and dealing with the uh... items that you used in the process the person that best understands the process as we know is the one that continuously implements the process and who is it that's the person on the floor thus with the in-depth knowledge of the deliverable the process the inputs given to the person. This person is best to provide control. Additionally, this person is best uh, to go ahead and provide communications to and get assistance of subject matter experts as Bill has stated. The engineers who are very uh, trained in very specific areas that understand it in depth. The employee is the eyes to identify the needs, the engineers produce the solution.
0: And, and, and Andy's being modest there because Andy's the guy you would call. You don't run a big company. You don't have a bunch of engineers. I know one you can hire.
1: <laughs> but most importantly, it's a team effort. Right. One cannot do it with the other. Now, let's look at delivery of these specifics. Depending upon your job level, and I stress that, there are various issues in providing the deliverables that are specified. At the lowest level, what we'll say is the production floor or the full-time desk occupants, the deliverables, changes in deliverables and acceptable variations, the tolerances, are well-defined and usually change very little. And uh, this is if you had the job of filling out a purchase order. As the grade level increases, the deliverables become less defined and allow for more employee interpretation and creativity. This can be both good and bad.
0: Well, that's a key point, Andy. Both of those. One is, as you go up, the job is less specific, which requires more judgment calls, which is both good and or bad. And I'm going to address that when I get into the performance one uh, segment. Next.
1: But the key to success is for the employee to communicate the forward plan and action with the appropriate business representatives to maintain a clear understanding and acceptance of the deliverables that are going to be forthcoming. This is especially important for the customer of the deliverables. The customer may, over time, develop expectations, which are false, unapproved deliverables, to be received as deliverables. As an example, an executive orders a car and a, and it is specified and comes with cloth seats, but in his mind when he sees the car, mm-hmm. he expected leather seats.
0: And, and that's why we've talked about that the right approach to quality is lean because lean is all based upon customer perception.
1: So when we look at this and pull it all together in a a closing statement, as as the 15% level business reaches maturity, it is experienced with this experienced workforce, which is all the employees, uh, they are becoming very highly self-motivated individuals that are focusing their time and energy towards... Efficiency and effectiveness in controlling the resources that have been placed under their control to provide the specific deliverables assigned to them.
0: Okay, so Andy, and we got about two minutes left on this sh- on on this segment.
1: Uh,
0: tell the business owner how to get started here. What would you What would be like the one, two, three things you'd do?
1: Well, number one is to find out, identify your needs. Okay. Next is to, since the employee is the implementer that can get you progress, find out what the strengths and weaknesses are of each individual and employee. Then compare those to the job description, the the information that is needed to do that job, and educate the people so that they can become that subject matter expert and be the one that can focus and can give you future input as to how to make okay. improvements. Again, they do it day in and day out. And so it's very, very, very important to get them involved. Okay. And they not only get involved initially, but they should be on the implementation team throughout because they are the ones that's gonna take the proposed solutions and test the solutions in the real world.
0: And we both know that you implementing my ideas versus you implementing your ideas, which one works better?
1: That's right. I learned that from having children (laughs) and and getting them involved versus telling them all the time.
0: Andy, talk about your upcoming show on the 30th. Okay,
1: so on the 30th, our next show, we'll be looking into how business can leverage performance feedback and group membership to drive continuous improvement in productivity across, and I emphasize, across the company.
0: So what Danny's going to do in the next show, in two weeks, is he's going to begin to pull all this together for you. Yes, it's
1: very, very important to bring it all to a head. So if um, you have any questions on what I just stated, you can reach me on the web at www.metamorphosismc.com or go to... Uh, RichmondBizLive.com uh, Biz Experts.
0: That's right. Go to go to our website RichmondBizLive.com Hit the Experts section. You'll see Andy's mug there from his uh, time and sit in front of the microphone and just click it and you're right on to the website. So this is WLE News Talk 990. The show is Richmond Biz Live and if you want to join us uh, 844-249-5483 or Biz live and we'll be back.
1: As a business leader, have you developed a highly productive work environment? Do you create a work-life experience that is self-motivating, enjoyable, and rewarding for your fellow workers, vendors, suppliers, and most importantly, yourself? To navigate to a pleasurable work-life experience, which will provide the means for you to have a fantastic full-life experience, contact me, Andy Shuler, for a free consultation on the web at metamorphosismc.com.
0: Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business. It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com or 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. And of course, you are listening to WLE News Talk 990 in beautiful downtown Richmond, Virginia, 308 Broad Street. Next segment is mine. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live, Bill Eastman. I'm also the managing partner for The Growth Works, which is a consulting company. I use that word lightly because I'm a consultant that doesn't like consultants. Uh, but we don't borrow your watch, tell you what time it is, and ask you to stroke a big check. We're an implementation company. We show people how to fix their businesses. And currently, one of one of the roles that I have is I'm vice president of a manufacturing firm in uh, southwest Virginia. And the good news is that uh, though I was anticipating a billing month last month of a million we actually did $940,000. Now to give it some context is that the best this company has ever done is 720 and that was a couple years ago. So we beat it by $220,000. And how do we do it? Most of all the things that Andy and I have talked about with lean manufacturing and process improvement we've brought to the facility and now we've identified potentially where the capacity is. I believe that we have a company that can do between 1 and about $1.2 million a month before we tap out. Now we have some objectives and some things to work on. So, But anyway, today I've got uh, this presentation. This segment is going to be on performance. Now, last season we called this people or human resources, uh, just like with Andy's segment, we called it operations. This season I wanted to change it up because we're talking to the 15% of the companies who we have now helped move out of just hanging on, to now you're doing alright and you're looking for what's the breakthrough what what do we need to do to break through to move from 15% to become one of the elite companies the 5%ers and so i changed the name of people to performance cuz it 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 equips itself very well with productivity cuz on this whole subject you can't you can't separate the two you must get your systems in place you must have your employed quality principles you get to the point where you have some fairly accurate uh, job descriptions and now what happens it becomes the performance becomes the interplay of the individual with the job as well as what are the dynamics of the department or the people that I work with. So on the performance side, we're going to be talking about two issues. One is how do we get success within a work group and how do we use the issue of problem solving as a methodology of getting there? And problem solving is going to kind of leak over into my next uh, segment because after we come back from our next break, I'm going to be talking about owner as executive. So anyway, rip success last couple weeks if you're a first-time listener i'd recommend and you listen to the podcast of uh let me see here Two august would probably be a good one i would also then go back to um i think the 26th of july are the two that i would take a look at um in terms of we talked about a process for how you develop a group and they go through the stages of form norm storm perform i mean no (laughs) i got that wrong uh it's norm storm uh it is bill slow down it's form a group They go through a storming phase, then they create some rules or norm, and then they finally get to the performance level. I'm not going to talk about that at all. I'm going to assume that you know that. What I'm going to talk about now, it's not the process the group goes through, but then what is it that you're trying to accomplish with the group? And I'm going to take the perspective now that as a business owner, you've been unhappy with the way things are, and what your goal is, I want to make a change. And how do I use the groups and the success of those groups as my change movement? Okay, so here we go. When when you pick, it's uh, what you're looking for right now is a quick win. And so, in order to ch- make a change, I need a quick win because what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to create a movement. In other words, I want people to adopt the new and abandon the old. And what you're going to have is kind of no matter how bad the old is, a lot of times people the consensus is I want to stick with what I know rather than the uncertainty of what I don't know. And and, and trust me, I've just been living through this for the last couple of months, and. It's really difficult for people sometimes, if they're not directly in the middle of it, to see what the advantages are. So how do I use group success? I try to create a movement. And I do that by how I deal with that group. Um, I want people to want to be in the future. I want to attract people to this. Kind of like the difference between marketing and selling. Marketing, you're pulling people to your business. Selling is that you're pushing them through the system. Um, I'm looking for a quick win that will reinforce the vision that what I'm trying to create. And then I want to change my role. Um I start as a member, I move as a supporter, and then finally I become a champion. So let me give you a, an exact example of how to do that. Um when we started this intervention at the plant, and then we were brought in to basically at the time get their cost under control. And for those of you that don't know that story, very quickly is that uh, the company had not been profitable in a while? The owner had been dig- digging into his uh, pockets uh, because of not only only because of 27 years of his life was invested, but he understood what he was doing. There were 70 souls or 70 families who were able to eat, send their kids to school, put food on the table, have a house to live in because he was running the business. So this is to most business owners. I I get this. This is far more important than just making money. Is that we got all these people that we affect by the quality of the decisions that we made. And he was looking to change the business around. And his initial attempt was, well, let's bring in more revenue. Well, the problem was that more revenue would kill the business because it would, it would, his cost structure was such that it wasn't going to help. And so what we did is to say, okay, let's get the cost under control before we go after future business. And the way we got the cost under control was bringing lean to the floor. Now I could have done a lot of structural things. But I didn't. What I did do is I created a brand new culture in the plant with the people that we worked with. Management wasn't bad in the past. Management was just slightly detached because, as in most small business, the gentleman who had the job of running operations also have other tasks, and so what happened is he couldn't dedicate the time to the floor that he needed to. I'm on the floor as the vice president of the company most of the day. I run my part of the business from the floor. And what we did by talking to people and asking the essential question, what obstacles are in your way to keep you from doing high-quality work or getting this job done on time or whatever the context was. But every day, I talk to everybody and I ask the same question multiple times. I word it differently, but it's the same question. What can we do to remove the obstacles for you to do your job? And what we did is we created a movement because what happened was for the first time, and some of these people have been there 10 years, for the first time they had a sense that management was engaged in productivity. In the past, management just sent stuff to the floor and said, get it done. And then we had all these problems. And if you think about it, it's probably true about your own company. Are people successful in spite of the organization you created or because of? And I would guess to say that 95% of the time, people are successful in spite of the companies they work in. The company provides no help. In fact, many times you've, you've got to fend off friendly fire to do the job and do it professionally. So what we did is we changed the whole attitude on the floor about about how to run the plant. And one of the visible things that came out of this was if you take the five S's that are part of lean, one of the key areas is cleanliness. The plant is incredibly clean, and we cut. We're not pretty much into wood. We're into laminates. We're into composite materials. The place is dirty inherently because of the manufacturing process. The place, we're not to the point where we can eat sushi off the machines yet, but I'm not done yet. But the place is incredibly clean. And what we've done is we created a movement is that the people on the floor do not want to go back to the past. They want to stick with the future. They like how things are now. And what's happening is it's beginning to surface some problems as we are now getting them to talk to us directly, and honestly about what's going on. And so what we've done is we've created a movement by spending two months on the floor working everybody. And what we have now is that nobody on the floor wants to be in the past. Everybody wants to be on the future team. And this is beyond. We're not, we've got four manufacturing cells. We're only directly affecting one. Uh, but the other three cells want to be in on it. And so everything that we're doing in one cell, they're copying. And so when I move to those other cells, my work is 50% done. And what we went after were some quick wins. And one of the quick wins we were is cleanliness, physical, a physical example that it's working. And then last month, we got the second win. We have now determined what the productive capacity is of the plant, given the assets that they have, the equipment, given the people, and giving our financial ability in terms of keeping right inventory. We now know what is possible to do. Now what we have to focus on is increasing the margin. But understand, business owners, hear me out. Imagine you made an extra $220,000 one month to the next, how that would affect the business. And we haven't even gone after increasing the margin on that money. And so what we did is we got our quick win to reinforce their vision. And what has happened is now that my role has changed um from member and supporter and by the way i actually had a place on the floor i actually had a desk on the floor where i watched what was going on and engaged people i'm moving from a supporter to a champion now how do we get that done and that gets us to the second piece of this and that is i can do crazy stuff and do teamwork and i and those of you who have been to those like ropes courses and you know those events where you know wine tasting for team building or cooking uh, you know there's lots of those i'm not putting them down how do how do we build a team We taught common problem solving. In other words, what we needed, and I don't want to sound like the Gestapo here, but we needed people to think alike. Now, how do I get them to think alike? And so what we did is we trained them in common problem solving tools so that when they attack problems, they all attack problems the same way. We have the same methodology that we employ. And like I said, in one cell where we're putting most of our energy they're now approaching the problem that way. And in the other cells, they're going, hey, what are you guys doing? So we've quickly expanded across that. And in the next segment, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But basically what it comes down to this is two issues, which I'll expound upon after the break. One is um, the issue of understanding that i got to identify the root cause and not treat symptoms. In other words, if you fix the problem and it comes back next week, it ain't fixed. And so um, I know it's a cliche and you probably heard it a thousand times, but why would I then approach next week and do the same thing thinking that it would have any other uh, impact other than in a week later, the problem is going to surface again. So the first thing that we've done with them is to, is to employ the concept of the five whys, a Japanese concept partly in manufacturing. It's really simple. You keep asking why, Oh, this happened. Well, why did that happen? And you get another answer. Why did that happen? My experience is, by the third or fourth why you've run out of of issues. In other words, kind of like a salmon, you've got to the headwaters of this particular stream, and now you think what you've done is you've identified what potentially is the root cause of the problem. Then the second thing we do is a real simple model. Most of you uh, who have had any quality training, it's called an Ishikawa diagram or a fishbone diagram, and it says that there are only four reasons, four root causes on why things aren't working the way they're supposed to be working. One is material. In other words, the raw materials that you're using. One is machinery, whatever the equipment is. The third one is methodology. The processes that you employ Or number four, it's people. And so what you do is you work with people to go, what are all the potential causes that could be methodological? What are all the causes that could be machinery-based? And again, I'm going to go through this in greater detail here in our next segment. But by sharing with them the the common thought process about how to attack a problem, because here's really where where Andy was in the last segment and where I am is that they're solving their own problems and now they're not coming to me to fix it. They're coming to me with a solution, with a cost, with the consequences thought through, and then I can basically look at that and say, let's go do that. And even if it turns out wrong, I can live with the consequence because sometimes the wrong move is actually an education but I don't want to talk about doing it wrong. Basically what's happening is they're solving their own problems and bringing me solutions and think about how my role has changed and your role as a business owner has changed in in this whole thing is that now, instead of trying to come up, be the bright guy and come up with the answers I've shared with them, a decision-making process, a problem solving process that they're now using. And when they come into me, I have the comfortability of knowing as they have tacked the problem the same way I've tacked the problem. And if they have a reason to argument, then their decision is at least as good as mine and perhaps better. But even more importantly is if it's their decision, I will guarantee you they'll go the extra mile to make it work as opposed to it being your decision. So I want you to contemplate that before we move on. And so this is Richmond RichmondBizLive, RichmondBizLive.com. You can reach us at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. And we'll be back. Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the Executive Producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as Managing Partner of the Growth Works, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question. Where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay, but wondering what's next. And then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you, where are you? If you wanna understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net and download our paper on where are you? Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15 and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. And we are back. This is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com, 844-249-5483, or 844.bizlive, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. And, of course, this is the great, great W-L-E-E News Talk 990, broadcasting live from Richmond, Virginia. Well, we just finished up our segment on productivity excuse me, on performance, on the people side of this, talking about getting successes in the groups to prove that what we're trying to accomplish is the right thing. The one thing I didn't hit on before I make the transition over to this piece is that everybody in their life is looking for significance. And one of the challenges or one of the advantages we have at work, depending upon how you look at it as an owner, is this issue of we spend most of our our lives at work. And people are looking for significance. In other words, I'm doing something significant and I'm achieving something. And so part of making the group successful is meeting that particular need in people. That, uh, in, people in fact, I, I'm part of something significant. And when people control their own lives, their own lives at work, then they feel that level of significance. Now, what I want to do is I want to take it a step further and I want to talk about this as owner, as executive. And that's our, that's our last segment of the day. And I'm going to be talking about problem solving and investigating consequences. And so we kind of built that. So let me go to it again and, and hit it a little bit more detail. The five whys. You know, when I when I work with people on problem solving, I basically say there are three steps to the process. One is ask yourself the five whys. Number two is analyze, based on that, your data. And number three, select the best solution. And so really simple uh, process. What I don't accept from anybody that comes into to me is, Well, I think, or I believe, or I feel. You come to me with a solution based on those factors, and I'll be polite, but it's not going anywhere because what I want to do is I want to see the data. I want you to go through the same type of discipline on making a decision as I do as the business owner. So here's what the five whys is about. The five whys is really trying to drill down on, are are we talking about a symptom or a problem? So somebody says, Hey, uh, let, me, let me pick one uh, that we just went through this week. We don't have enough material for a deliverable shipment that's got to go out on Monday. And so I asked the question, why? Okay. Well, the reason is, is because on the last shipment with this company, because we're using the same laminate surfaces, we had too many recuts, and therefore we used up some of the material for this run. Okay. So my question now, my why question is, well, why didn't we capture that? And then I found out, well, I talked to so-and-so and informed them, and suddenly what I had was my why. And so the issue here is, there were two answers that came out of this for me. One was the issue of, we don't have a procedure for capturing recuts, which I can guarantee you we will next week, but also is that I have somebody in a management position who was told to do the reorder, and they didn't do their job. Now, the consequences of that is we had to spend an extra $700 to get the materials in and then work on Saturday. In fact, I've got a crew in um, southwest Virginia working today to to basically construct it because the shipment is due on Monday and I'm not going to let them work on cutting it on Monday. I want basically the job done on Monday so if there's any mistakes, we have from 6 o'clock in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. But by asking the whys, I got to the core of the issue on this particular issue. Um, we've had other problems. Like we've had too many recuts on this one order. And so what we did is we got together, we got the CNC operator and we got a couple other people and we said, okay, let's take a look at this. So why is that happening? And what we got down to was potentially it was a bit and with our changeover on our machines are, are pretty quick. Uh, but it looks like maybe we got the wrong bit in there because we don't have a procedure for how to do it. Now I wasn't sure of that, but I said, okay, let's look at it. So let's go down the list. Were the recuts uh, an issue of materials? In other words, our raw materials come in, we have a process call layup up where we put the laminate on on the composite material on both sides, it's laid on, it's glued on, and then it's pressed, and then it's allowed to, to cure for 24 hours under pressure, and now it's ready for uh, the CNC machine for cuts. Okay, so was it the materials? And we looked at it, we looked at the materials that came in, and the answer is no. Okay. I'll, I'll skip over, uh, well, I'll go to Manpower next. Was it the operator? Did the operator follow all the steps that were required to get this done? And we went through it, and we looked at the procedures, and yeah, you know, I followed this, and I followed this, and it looked right. So that then took us to methods. And then what we did is we looked at the methodology to say, well, is there something wrong with the methodology? And, in fact, what we identified was, there was a step in the process that was missing that was checking changeovers because he put the wrong bit in. Now, we also went on and we asked the question, was there anything wrong with the machine? Well, the answer was yes. The machine made the defect, but the machine made the defect because we had a wrong procedure in place. And so I simply put it to the group. Um, have we identified the root cause? And so the root cause here is a process issue, um, and it's not a symptom. The symptom was that we had recuts now in a typical manufacturing setting we probably would have been kicking butt on operators going you know what are you doing here why aren't you cutting this correctly and and trust me i don't i'm not holding myself up as the paragon of virtue i have done this multiple times myself but what we were able to do is this identify what it is and that per- procedure will be different next week as soon as we can get to it and then we asked ourselves in the interim what's the best solution so what we did is we we created a little template we put on the machine so that we could do a visual check to make sure the right bit was in so that we didn't we didn't shred we didn't shred the material as, instead of cutting it. And so that was the best solution for now. The next step in that process is going to be to write a new procedure and then engage in a little training. And the way that we do training is we have the operator train everybody else to say okay, this is the way we're doing it now. You may say that that It's taking a little time away from the job, and why would he be training other people? Uh, Trust me, you never know anything until you train it. Having him stand up and explain how the procedure works and what he's supposed to do really is more reinforcing to him and his knowledge than it is to anything else. So on problem solving, the five whys. Keep drilling down until you think that you've got the root of the problem. Then what you go is you say, okay, if this is the problem, let's go get some data and ask yourself, is it a material issue? Is it a manpower issue, is it a methods issue, or is it a machines issue? And you basically take a look at those and try to pull out what is the origin of the problem. One of the ways you identify the root causes, if you want to, you can sequence the events, and usually the root cause is the first event in the process. And then from that, you pick the best solution, uh, both in the short term and sometimes the short term and the long term. We need to rewrite a procedure. I did not have the time to get it done. We had a production run, we were in the middle of production run, so we came up with a band-aid, but we knew we came up with a band-aid. Now the other part of this is investigating consequences because what I make people do when we for the solution is how do they do that? And so what I say to them like, Okay, give me three options here. I want three options for how to fix the problem. And what I want you to do for each one of those options, I want you to make a list of the consequences, both positive and negative. So under an option, you would put a plus sign and a, and a negative sign. And I would, what I want are three uh, possible per, uh, positive consequences of this and three potential negative consequences. And then I want you to put a probability on it. What's the chances of each one of those occurring? Now, it doesn't add up to 100%, so it's not one of those. You're looking at the first one going, Oh, well, that's an 80% chance that that's going to come out. The second one is, uh, that's probably about 50%. And so all I want is to kind of get a sense of the probabilities, okay? So now we can take a look at this to say, okay, no matter what decision you make, there are always unintended consequences, and we've made some attempt to identify those. Then I want to say, okay, what consequences up here are unacceptable? Let's mark the ones that absolutely we cannot tolerate to have happen or to occur and we look at those and then we look at what the probabilities are so let me take an example here i got one solution it's got some really positive it's on the positive consequences it's got some really good stuff with all high probability occurring that looks like a great decision on the other hand on the negative potential consequences we've got one that's at about fifty percent possibility that we can't tolerate. In other words, it'll seriously damage the business. You know what? I will rule that solution out because I'm running the business and it's not the level of risk I'm willing to take. And so by identifying what the unacceptable consequences are, I can eliminate what look like good solutions, but they have a downside that I can't live with. And so what we do is by ruling those out, we say to ourselves, okay, what is the best of the rest? And we pick that one and we say, okay, Let's go with that. But also, because we operate in a process, we operate in a system, is that I also know that by making that change here, I'm going to be making the changes. I'm going to have impacts on other part of the businesses. So what I can also begin to do is figure out how I'm going to alleviate some potential issues because this may change how we handle um, scheduling or it may have an impact on customer service And so what I have now have the ability to do is begin to say to them, okay, we're doing this, and here's potentially what's going to happen, and either work with them on solving that problem if it does, or if it happens, that's a trigger, get a hold of me. But the deal here is, if you want to create highly productive groups who are winning, who feel good about what they're doing, and are contributing to the bottom line of the company, the quickest way that I can make that change is by creating a movement of people because of how I touch them, how I work with them, how I solicit their input and how I treat them. And I, and the way I do that is I teach them how to problem solve and make decisions. And if I can get people on the same page, I, I can have the movement that I need to take my company to the next level. But also what I have is I have the one thing that it, the one intangible that is absolutely critical to me as a business person. And that is I know I've eliminated the risk that I'm taking by surrendering control because if I make all the decisions, I got all the control. But if that's where you're at, you're on the wrong radio, you listen to the wrong radio show because if you're there, you're never going to be in the 15%. You're never going to move your company up into the elite group because it, it there's too many demands on the owner. And we talked about this many, many times. If your idea of running the business is hub and spoke, you're the hub and everybody else is the spoke, um, you shouldn't be listening to the show because we're not doing anything for you. If you're somebody who's been doing that going, it ain't working because there are too many spokes and I can't manage the damn thing, then what we've talked about is we move from that model to, well, let's build processes and hold people accountable for operating the process. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. I've created a, a problem-solving decision process, and then I make people follow it. And how do I make them follow it? I make them bring me what are the potential decisions. We discuss the decisions out, and then we together make the decision. And then pretty soon, I'm moving from a supporter of this group in that role to a champion that there is a number of decisions that I no longer going to make, that I know if they follow the right process, they're going to make the right decision. All they need to do is inform me of what's going on and potentially what are some things that I might want to look out for. And that's a whole different relationship I have with the four than we typically do in business. So uh, owner is executive. The two key be- uh, best practices this week were problem solving, investigating consequences. On problem solving, it's the five whys, analyze the data, come up with the best solution. And on the consequences, the way we come up with the best solution is we look at all the potential positive and negatives. We look at which ones are unacceptable and rule that solution out And then we pick the best of the rest. And then what I can do there is that I can begin to build a company that is scalable. Um, Linda Heath and I kind of close the segment out as we get to the end of the show. Linda Heath and I were talking about this, and you'll have her next week, Linda, from Financial Holographics. And and the issue here is that if you look at a business, what what are we trying to do for you business owners? Well, one of the ways to look at it, and I like her model, is that is your business bankable? which is where Linda puts a whole amount of her energy. Number one. Number two, is your business scalable, which is basically what Mike and myself and Andy have been talking about, whether it's marketing and sales, productivity, performance, or owner as an executive. And then the last piece of that is, is it saleable? Is this business ready to be sold? And the first two are true, then more than likely the third one is. And when we get to season three, that's going to be one of the core themes. So, some concluding thoughts in closing. Um, here's what I learned this week. So, these are my lessons. When you're making change, there's always conflict between the old and the new. And as a business owner, if you move them from the 80 to the 15%, you've made some changes. You know you're winning when the past has lost influence, okay? When the opposition that you're going to get, because you're going to get it either overt in your face or covert, no longer has sufficient energy. To shut you down number three focus on creating a movement put your emphasis on winning hearts and minds first then get technical give them the tools to get that done but first let them know that what you're doing is that you're trying to make their lives easier because they're the ones doing the work and then the last one on here is you're the change Um, what you say only matters when it's what you do if you don't do it people listen not with their ears, with their eyes. Okay, now next week, we've got, we got Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. And Linda's going to be talking about looking at your cash flow and uh, what are the trends telling you. Then Mike Carroll from Focus Business is going to be in. It's going to be talking about sales automation. And then finally, I'm going to be coming in and I'm going to be talking about customer service. And I'm going to be talking about the power and the art of recovery. And so with that, to all our listeners, whether live or on podcast, wealth and prosperity at all.
1: Well, you can't tell the night from the sunrise And not all the king's horses and all the king's men
0: Have prevented the fall of the young wives For they think it works. Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues, marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live.